Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. I invite the congregation to remain standing for the reading of the Gospel this day, which will come from Luke chapter 24. Verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Everybody read this, this, this last sentence. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with him who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. Eternal God, show us your Word and your covenant in your Word, and your grace in your covenant and your goodness and your grace, and your love and your goodness, and yourself and your love, all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart this place and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. We won't wrap up the series of questions on the journey to the cross today. We'll do that next week as we continue in Luke and hear about the encounter of the risen Christ with the two on the road to Emmaus. But this series has been focusing on the questions that lead us to the cross and today's question from the resurrected Christ that challenges us in the midst of our questions, our doubts, and at times our unbelief. Why do we look for the living among the dead. Friends, 
We look for life in so many ways and the world cannot provide that lasting life that only the risen Savior can provide. And today those feeble hopes that are transitory are challenged by the eternal truth that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. The women represent for us how the modern world and habits shape our expectations. They, they come approaching the tomb and they have all the spices together. There was a cartoon that appeared to a preacher's magazine of two women going to the tomb and in the distance they see the stone is rolled away and one says to the other, well I, help, I hope you kept the receipt for all those spices. <laughs> but they approach the tomb as we listen to the text to prepare Jesus' body. They had so been expecting what normally always happened that they went back to normally doing what was always done. Mark even tells us that as they were on their way, they were wondering and discussing with each other, who will roll the stone away? But as you read through this gospel message, you find that everybody, everybody seems to be bewildered and forgetful, whether it be the women who were surprised and bewildered not to find the body there, to Peter who runs and walks away wondering what had happened. Everybody seems to be surprised. I wonder why that is. Some have suggested it's a spiritual amnesia that the graphic death of Christ was so traumatic to the disciples it caused them to forget the hope of Christ rising from the dead. A lesser known fact that's advocated by some is that the disciples were actually living into the previous teaching they had for there was existing within Jewish belief based on Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 that resurrection for the Jews that believed in it would happen in a corporate kind of way that all of the righteous would be vindicated and rise up from the dead. The Gospel of John even records for us that Mary confuses Jesus as being the gardener and pleads out to know where they placed his body. But when Jesus calls her by name, she's brought to the moment. Her senses awaken and she remembers and recognizes that this is Jesus. And she stops looking for life where there is death. It's Master's Weekend. It seems like that falls all the time around Easter. So for a, a pastor wanting to go to the masters all week long, it is nearly impossible. For though I love golf, I love resurrection all the more. Recently, I've noticed that Paul Azinger has become a commentator on the PGA Tour. And I remember the story of Paul Azinger when he was 33 years old being diagnosed with cancer. He said, a genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. But then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway. Whether from cancer or something else, I'm definitely going to die. It's just a question of when. And then in that moment, everything I accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was to live. And that's when he remembered something his friend Larry Moody had told him. He said, Zinger, 
We are not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living. That is who we are as people of faith. Not people in the land of the living going to die, but land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living. Friends, this is why we don't look for the living among the dead, especially on the third day. It's something consistent that is held out. Christ the Lord is risen today, and this day is the third day. There are nearly 30 third-day events within the Old Testament that reflect that everything of the Jewish understanding of history and reality was transformed and changed on a third day. It's on the third day that God separates the land from the sea. It's the third day that God seals the covenant with the people of uh, the Israel people at Sinai with Moses. It's the third day that Esther goes to the king to beg for safety for the Jews. Even the prophet Hosea in the sixth chapter reminds us not only of God's promise to deliver on the third day within the Hebrew people, but of a transcendent truth that was yet to come. The prophet says, come in the midst of exile. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck it down, struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Friend, third days are our crossover moments. They're threshold moments. They're moments when our lives make a decision and nothing can be the same again. This is what Easter is about. Nothing can be the same since Christ our Lord is risen today. This is your third day. This is your moment of decision. There's an amazing story about the Canadian photographer, Yosef Karsh, who in his illustrious career only took one portrait of a person from the back. It was Pablo Casals. And he took that picture in a small French abbey in 1954. I placed on my Facebook page, and also thanks to the tech help people on the KU, uh, Kingwood Methodist Church Facebook page, that picture that you can see. While Casals died in 1970, he is a legendary figure in the musical community around the world. He single-handedly changed how the cello would be taught and how it would be played. At the age of 12, he played part of a concerto from Bach with one string on the cello. He was an amazing conductor. His protest as a Spaniard was against General Franco, whom the Allies left in power following World War II. And because he had such a passion for human rights, he self-exiled, set on the side his ability to illustriously travel, which he had previously been doing, and settled in Prades, France. There's even a festival today that commemorates him. I got lost in a deep dive, and I commend to you Googling Pablo Casals. And his amazing willingness to set aside his personal ambitions, be true to who he was, and to fight for the rights of people. Casals began playing Bach on his cello, and Karsh was there to take the picture. He's enthralled. He said he was almost completely transported to a different place, that he forgot that he was actually supposed to take a picture. I've never photog uh, photographed anyone, he said, before or since with her back turned to the camera, but it seemed to me just right. 
For the bare room conveys the lowliness of the artist, the pinnacle of his art, and the lowliness of exile. And then years later, this picture's on display in the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And there was an elderly gentleman that was coming each day to the Museum of Fine Arts, and he would go and he would stand in front of this picture of Casals every day for several moments. One of the attendants got the curator of the museum's attention, and so the curator was curious, this man who comes back day after day after day, and he approached him one day and he said, Sir, may I ask why you come every day to stand silently in front of this picture? And the elderly gentleman said, Hush, young man. Can't you see I'm listening to the music? He knew the full story. And in the picture, he knew the full story. And in his imagination, he heard the melody. And you and I stand today. We know the story. We cannot succumb to spiritual amnesia for we know Christ is risen. We know Mary will be confused. Peter will doubt. Even John will say he's faster than Peter and gets to the tomb first. But everybody seems to be forgetful. Friends, are you listening to the music of this day, this third day? God does big things on the third day. What is your third day today? What do you need to move beyond or leave behind on this Easter third day? What in your faith needs to be resurrected? What in your commitment needs to be resuscitated on this third day? Listen to the music. But we not only celebrate that Christ has conquered death, but as we lean into the scriptural witness of 1 Peter chapter 3, Christ has been to hell on our behalf. Rabbi Steve Leader has a podcast in which he talks about the work of pastors and rabbis in the midst of grief. And he says this, if you're going to go to hell, don't come out empty-handed. Friends, the good news of the gospel on this third day is that the resurrection marks the third day that life overcame death, hope overcame grief, and Jesus going through the hell of the crucifixion, the darkness of the moment, and coming out of hell with the keys of hell and death. But because he lives, you and I may live also. Friends, it's the third day to hell. It's the third day, and Jesus went to hell and he didn't come out empty-handed. Thanks be to God. Bring your questions to Christ today. Bring your bewilderment. Bring your wonder. Because God does big things on the third day. And if he can love Mary and greet her in the midst of her questions, if he can greet Peter and raise him up from places where he's in the shadows of betrayal and denial into moments of utter confusion, then he can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions on the journey not only to the cross, but to the resurrection. Thanks be to God that Jesus went to hell and he didn't come out empty-handed. He is risen. He has conquered death. Grave has no sting. We may grieve for a moment, but the glory of God rises each day with the rising of the sun. This is our faith. This is who we are. We are third day people. Let us pray. God, forgive us when we get stuck in second day moments in our life. When the disappointments, the heartache, the darkness, the grief, the bad decisions, 
working through consequences of those bad decisions, hold us in the second days. Help us to live into third day mentality and third day faith as your people. Help us to embrace all that you have before us, all that you would do through us. And allow us to receive what you have done on our behalf. God, do in us so that you can do through us what you want to accomplish in this world. That Christ would be lifted up. That no life would have to walk without hope. And when we depart this day, may we so make our hearts and minds available to you as third day people that Christ would be seen more clearly in us and we would see more clearly Christ in the face of all. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness for all of your faithfulness is great. Thank you for your grace for all of your grace is amazing. For this we pray in the name of the risen Christ. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen.